All right, the passage that we're dealing with this afternoon comes from the Gospel of Mark. So that's the second book of the New Testament, and I want to draw your attention to Mark chapter 1. We're going to read just verses 40 through 45. Um, given kind of the special nature of this day and that we have back-to-back services, and given the fact that typically when we have back-to-back services, people tend to appreciate maybe just a little more condensed version or a shorter version of of worship, I've decided to leave aside um, our catechal series just for this week. We're going to forego discussion time afterwards, just this Sunday, and I want to draw your attention to um, uh, a, a portion of the Bible that we haven't dealt with for a while, and that's the, the gospel accounts, and particularly one of the many accounts of healing in the Bible from Mark chapter 1, Jesus' cleansing of a leper. So I'm going to draw your attention now to Mark chapter 1, and I want to begin reading at verse 40. And a leper came to him, that's Jesus, imploring him. Now kids, I don't know if you know the word, what imploring means. Just he was begging Jesus, okay? He was begging Jesus, and, and he kneeled before him, and he said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand, and he touched him, and he said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. And he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. It's kind of interesting that the last half of that very brief account has to do with Jesus saying something that sometimes is kind of uh, maybe a bit confusing to us and that is Jesus heals this guy and he says now basically shut your mouth about it don't tell anybody about it but go show yourself to the priest and you can prove to him the religious establishment that that you have been healed and you think why would Jesus do that and you see that on more than one occasion in the New Testament like Jesus Shh, don't tell anybody and it's like wouldn't you want word to spread what's up with that so I'll, I'll briefly mention that a little bit later in the in the passage so I want a really brief introduction on this. You know, you, t- you take a look, I mean, you, if you take a look at this, that's not a very long passage, is it? And if you have your Bibles, you know, it's even, it seems even shorter. And, you know, the thing is, it's very easy for you to come away from the story and go, it, it, it doesn't seem, at least at face value and at first reading, it doesn't seem all that significant, really, because if you think about it, it's, it's really, really short. It's only five verses. And also... Um, I mean, how long did it take me to read it? Maybe a minute. And then you compare it to a a lot of the other stories of healing in the Bible, and there are many during the ministry of Jesus Christ, and you kind of go, this seems kind of a a very short version of that and somewhat more insignificant version of that. I mean, if you compare this with a few chapters later in Mark chapter 5, where the first 20 verses is devoted to what we call the healing of the gathering demoniac, a man who was possessed by, by hundreds of demons, and he's cutting himself, and, he's, and the people try to chain him, and he breaks all these chains, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a larger-than-life story. And then you get this one, and it just seems a little less compelling. But what, what I want us to understand um, at this point is that while this story seems maybe relatively insignificant compared to other stories of healing, um, it's, it's hugely significant. 
Because what Jesus is doing is he's, he's teaching us why he came into this world. And he came into this world very fundamentally to bear witness to the kingdom of God and the, and the power of the kingdom of God and the ruling power of Jesus Christ. So in this healing, he's demonstrating that he's the king, he's come to bring the renewing power of his kingdom, and he's come, he's come to say to us this afternoon that I am the king, I'm the great physician, I'm the healer, and I am the one who has come to save and restore sinners. Now, you know, for a lot of us who grew up in the church, we hear this, and Jesus came to save sinners, and that kind of goes in one year and out the other, because we just hear this over and over and over again, and, you know, it's like, well, tell me, teach me something I don't know, until you begin to really grapple with what sin is. And when you realize that, that sin is a grieving of the very heart of God, that, that sin is really a reflection of our fallen nature, and that by nature, we are not submitting to the will of God, but we're either shaking our fist at God, or maybe we're quietly turning our backs on God, and while God wants to move in this direction, we either self-consciously or unconsciously move in this direction. And when you think about that, and when you think about the, about what that does in terms of a relationship with God, then it becomes a very significant thing indeed because sinners who are outside of Jesus are not in a proper relationship with God they're not in a relationship of intimacy but distance they are not objects of his love but they are objects of his wrath they are not objects of his reception and his embrace but they are objects of his judgment in this life as well as the life to come. There's a lot of people who don't like to hear that, but if you're going to take the Bible seriously, that's what it teaches us. And if we believe that, then we realize what Jesus did in this passage in the healing of this leper is huge. Jesus Christ has come, in the words of C.S. Lewis, to bring spring where there is winter. He's come to bring life where there's only death. Okay? Now keep that in mind as we go on to explore the story. Okay? Now, what we have here, if you take a close look at the story, it says a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him and said, if you can, or if you will, you can make me clean. Now, notice this leper, a few things about this leper. Let's explore this a little bit and, and start unpacking this passage. Um, then first of all, it's a man and he's unnamed. He doesn't even have a name. So what that basically leaves us without is um, any kind of background, his history, um, his life, how he became a leper, how long he was a leper, and we don't know any background information. But it doesn't really matter at this point, he's, whether he's named or unnamed. The main thing is, is that he's a leper. Now, you'll know that when we go through our catechetical series, and for those who are new here and have never gone through a catechetical series in our afternoon service, I teach, uh, it's a bit more of a, 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 more of a teaching style of service to, to reacquaint us and reacquaint us with some of the basic doctrines of the Christian faith, and then afterwards we have kind of um, Q&A time and we have discussion time, right, where we talk about some of the basics of the faith. Now, a lot of times when I ask questions, um, I try to formulate the questions pretty simply. Sometimes they're difficult, but usually simply. And I'll say, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Well, I'm not going to ask you now, but I want you to think about this. If I ask you, what, 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 what's the significance of leprosy? What, what even, even like kids, listen to this. What, what do you know about leprosy? What do you know about leprosy? Because we read about it in the Bible, both the Old and New Testaments. Well, I think for a lot of us, if we would talk about leprosy, we would either go, man, you know, I'm not quite sure, but I think it's some kind of skin condition, right? And then usually people have, it's really a bad skin condition, but it's more than like psoriasis. It's more like it causes deformities and all that kind of stuff and makes people unsightly and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think a lot of us would probably come up with those kinds of things. 
Well, you know, when you're a pastor and you're preaching, you have to do your research, obviously, and you have to do what theologians call your exegesis, and you need to root yourself in the scriptures and the original language, and you say, okay, what's really going on here? And you can't say everything, but you can say some things. And, you know, honestly, um, I preached on leprosy before in the ministry, but then you start losing the details. So I had to re-research this, and I remember reading a report from a medical missionary that basically said, you know, a lot of people think that leprosy is pretty contagious, and if I raise the question to you, how many raise your hand? I won't do it now, but if, if I uh, raise your hand, if you believe that leprosy is contagious, I think probably quite a few of us go, yeah, I think it is contagious, isn't it? But the medical missionary said that usually leprosy is not contagious, but it's more of a, a deep-rooted issue that goes on in a person that affects, it's a disease that affects the nervous system and the nerves of the body. And uh, in, in bad cases, it produces blind, things like blindness and paralysis and bad deformities. So, if, um, kids, if you would, if you, I don't know if you have a phone, if you don't have one, it's probably a good thing. But if you would Google, if you would Google leprosy, you, you know, and put um, leprosy pics or something, you know, and you're going to get, you're going to get people with, you're, you're going to see various people with, with, you know, deformed hands and deformed feet and it's a, it's a very, it can be a very painful thing. And also, because of nerve damage, they have to be very careful that, that, for instance, they don't get too close to a fire or a hot surface, right? Because it's like people with diabetes, you know, you have neuropathy and you have nerve damage. And sometimes, let's say, with, sometimes with diabetics, if it's a really bad neuropathy or nerve damage, they have to watch out. They don't put their hands or their fingers on a hot stove because they can't, they don't really always feel that, but what happens? If you get a severe burn, um, you can have complications for that, and infection sets in, these kinds of things, and this is what would be going on with, with leprosy. And so, so the point is, is that leprosy was a devastating disease, and many times with deformities, and kids, sometimes you would have a hand like, you know, lepers are like this, and sometimes their hands are crinkled like this, they can't even use their hands, they're all deformed because of leprosy. And there's a point in the Old Testament where the high priest Aaron had a sister Miriam, and he said to the Lord, he said, O Lord, let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed. I said, that's, that's, then you know it's a terrible disease. So this is this man, okay, to give you a little bit of background physically in what's going on. But if you know anything about the Bible, you know that when there, there would have, they would have lepers, and oftentimes they were in colonies together. They didn't live among the general public. And there are, there are times when a leper would walk, and then the people, people would cry out. They would cry out, unclean, unclean, especially among the Orthodox Jewish community. And you say, well, why would they cry unclean? And it wasn't because the people thought, oh, that person is impure. You don't be around that person because you don't want to get leprosy like they have leprosy. But they would cry on unclean, unclean, because... Because with lepers, there was a spiritual stigma attached to them. And what I mean by that is this, that many Jews, and they were taught this by the religious establishment, many Jews believed that a leper was a leper and he was going through the kind of pain or paralysis or blindness or deformities that he was experiencing because he was alienated from God and because he was sinning against God. And the common understanding of the Jews at that time is that if you were blind, or you were paralyzed, or if you were mute, um, if you were deaf, 
if you were demon-possessed, and all these things that Jesus met in his ministry, the common understanding is all these people were experiencing these kinds of afflictions because they must have sinned against God. They had turned their backs on God. Even in John chapter 9, if you remember this, what, but the religious establishment was asking Jesus, this man who is born blind, was he bl- was, is, is he blind because of his sin or the sin of his parents? I found it very interesting. By the way, it's bad theology. But sometimes we carry that with us subconsciously. Do you, you ever have this where, some, where you go through a hard period of life and what's the immediate reaction? I must have done something against God. Maybe, maybe this is a form of punishment or discipline of some kind. It's just, it's just rooted in us. You think of Job's friends. Job was going, he was a righteous man, the Bible says, but he was going through difficult times and his friends came alongside of him, so-called friends, that, you know, basically you must have sinned against God for this to happen, you know. It's bad theology, okay? And the fact of the matter is, though, it was, at pl- it was a, uh, in place among the Jews toward this leprous man. So here's my point. This man has not only a physical affliction, but he also has a spiritual affliction that's attached to him, okay? So we get to this man now, and Luke, in his account, because this account of this leprous man is found in what we call the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and this, the, these, the synoptics all note that this man um, not only had leprosy, but Luke, in his account, says specifically he was full of leprosy, which was, is significant because the implication is, is that this man was in the advanced stages of leprosy. So he's in, he's in a dire condition, okay? So it's in this dire condition that as we move on in the story, this man says what to him? If you take a look at the text, he says, he, says, he, he, he kneels before him, a posture of humility, and he says to Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. Notice what it doesn't say. The man doesn't say, if you can, you can make me clean, because that would be then a question of faith. Can Jesus do this or not? No, he assumed that Jesus could do it, but he uses the word will. If you will, or if you're willing, you can make me clean. So, what Jesus says in response, he, notice he's, he's moved with pity. The, the word there in the Greek, um, I've mentioned this before, you find it periodically in the New Testament, it's the word splogsna. It's, it's, a, deep, it's a deep-rooted pity or compassion. It's, it's something that, that, that people should have with mercy ministry in the church. They should have compassion or mercy. Uh, or a, a pity that wells deep, deep in their gut and comes to the surface. And that's the kind of compassion that Jesus had. It wasn't something that he had to manufacture. It was something natural within him. So he sees this guy, and he's, he's like, okay, um, he asked me if I'm willing. And Jesus says, yeah, I'm willing. And, and then Jesus does something. He doesn't just say to the man, as he does with some people in the Bible, be clean, and then he's cleansed. Because Jesus could have done that, but he didn't. Jesus went one step further. He reached out his hand, and he, he touched the man. Now, that's a significant thing, because Jesus is in an atmosphere among Orthodox Jews that that's the last thing you do. You cry out from a distance, unclean! Don't, you don't go to this guy. Jesus did. Jesus is always different from the religious establishment. And Jesus reached out his hand, and he gave this defiled, this hurting this lonely man, he actually reaches out his hand and he touches the man. 
He touches him. And no doubt, in doing this kind of thing, he, he touched the heart of the man, most importantly. He reached the heart of this man. You know, the, the same medical missionary um, whose report I talked about just a few minutes ago, this medical missionary said this. I thought it was rather insightful based on his own experience. He said, one of the most tragic things with those suffering from leprosy is not even the deformities first and foremost. It's the fact that they never received a touch of a human being, a normal human being, a person without leprosy. And it's a reminder to us the importance of touch as Christians. Um, that, 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 we, that we appropriately touch each other, to give each other hugs, or to take each other's hand in hours. Um, to, for husbands, it's a reminder to us regarding our wives to, to touch them, to touch them. Um, women, women from their husbands were rarely Unless they're really mad, maybe? I don't think so, though. I think most wives love to feel the touch of their husbands. That's just what it means to be human. And Jesus reaches out, and he touches. It's a beautiful thing he does. He touches this man, and this man is touched. And, but again, back to the medical missionary. The medical missionary said this. Would, would you put the, um, the quote on there? Notice this. He said, many of the patients I have treated have suffered rejection and deeply desired to be a part of the human race, if only to feel the touch of another human being. It should be remembered that one of the most tragic ways victims of leprosy suffer is to be an outcast from society. Several of my patients beg me to kill them in order to put an end to their torment. Not a few told me that they could bear the loss of fingers and toes and even hands and feet and eyes, but what they could not tolerate is to be cut off from the human race. Isn't that interesting? It gives you a kind of a psychological insight into someone who's suffering from disease. It's not just about the body, it's about the spirit. Well, Jesus did not cut him off. Rather, he gave him what he so desperately wanted, and it was not just any touch. It was... It was, it, was a, it was a touch of compassion, yes, but ultimately it was a touch of healing. And notice that the passage says that when Jesus reached out to the man, the man, it says, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. Now, sometimes we have um, healings that take place in degrees gradually over time, but there are a number of instances in the Bible where immediately Jesus touches a person or he speaks the word, and the person is healed immediately. Now, kids, I want you to think about that. Because, you know, if you think, I mean, what do you see? You see a hand here, and this is a, this is a healthy hand, I trust. But, but with just, you know, there are many parts of deformities, feet and, and, and eyes and face and hands. But just think about the hand. And see, his hand is like this, full of deformities, and he can't even, he can't even pick up things like this. And, and to think that Jesus heals him, and immediately, it's like this, you know. And imagine, imagine being in the advanced stages of leprosy. Maybe for years this man was a leper. For years he was an outcast. And then immediately, he's like you and I. I mean, he's, he, so he's healed suddenly, and he's restored. And, you know, the man can't contain himself. And he figured, I have to tell somebody about this. Now, it's very easy, or it's very interesting, excuse me, that Jesus says, 
to this man, he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the high priest, and I want you to show yourself to the high priest, okay? And then to, to show him that you're healed, and then Jesus goes on to say, to offer, um, just a minute, uh, go show yourself to priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. Okay, for proof to them. So you say, okay, so Jesus wants this man to go to the religious establishment and say, I want you to demonstrate to them that you've been healed, okay? Because it's important for the religious establishment to see that. But you would think, why is it that Jesus didn't say to this man, okay, you were healed, and a number of you here see, saw what the, uh, the healing of this man. So what I want you to do is I want you to all get together, and I want you to trumpet this message so people know that the king and the kingdom have come. But, but he says, no, I want you to keep quiet. Show yourself to the religious establishment, make proof to them, but keep quiet among other people. And you say, why would he do that? I want to submit to you the reason why he did that is because... You know, you think about the practical consequence. If this word gets out around the territory and people don't have hospitals and doctors and treatments like we have today, and if they view Jesus as their only hope for their physical condition, whether it be blindness or muteness or deafness or leprosy or what have you, word's going to spread around and like crazy, all the people are going to want to come to Jesus and they're going to want to be healed. And that's what you find throughout the ministry of Jesus. In fact, there are times where so many people are coming to Jesus that the Bible says that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. And things got so busy for Jesus that, that, that here's the main thing. When people are all coming to you healing, then what you're prevented from doing is the main aspect of your ministry, which for Jesus was not even healing, although it was important. It was what? It was preaching. It was teaching. And it was prayer. So this is why you find sometimes Jesus so busy, and what he does is he, he either says to his disciples, let's leave this place now and let's go to another village so I can do what I've been called to do, and that is preach. Right? Or, or Jesus says, let's, let's, we need to leave this place, or sometimes he doesn't even say that, but he leaves on his own, and where does he go? The Bible says he goes to a desolate place all by himself so he can do what? To get away from the distractions so he can pray. Jesus wouldn't be much of a Messiah if he didn't preach and teach and pray. So Jesus says, first order things first. First order things first. Okay, so now you understand. Right? So let's, let's draw to a close. So, what's the point of this passage? The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus did many miracles that were not recorded. Many of them were, but a number of them were not. But this one was. And it's only five verses. Why is this in the Bible? I want to submit to you that there is no other disease in the Bible which most readily and accurately reflects the pervasive effects of sin in our lives but most accurately and powerfully demonstrates the depth of God's grace for sinners. Think about this man, and think about this passage, and think about figuratively what it tells us about sin. Like, like leprosy, sin is not something that is superficial but it's deeply, deeply rooted in us. You know, leprosy was deeply rooted and affected the nervous system and caused all kinds of deformities. So does sin. Sin causes deformity in our lives because it's deeply, deeply rooted in every one of us. 
right? Not a superficial condition. Like leprosy, sin brings alienation, right? You think of the lepers and think about how, how they were in colonies together, but they were actually alienated from people. In the minds of the Jewish people, they were ultimately alienated from God. Sinners like lepers are exactly like that. A lot of people live in this world and they think, well, I know I'm not really a perfect person, but, you know, I think God and I, we're, you know, we're okay, thumbs up with that, you know, and I think in the end it'll be good because God... God's a loving God, and yet that's how they talk. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that in your sin, you're actually alienated from God, and it produces all kinds of alienation in relationships. So like leprosy, sin is not superficial. Um, sin is, is, is serious. Sin brings alienation. Sin also brings misery. You know, you work with people who are outside of Jesus Christ and they have different levels of misery and restlessness to their lives until they come to Christ and they learn what it means to be reconciled to a God who is above. And then once they are reconciled to God, the blessings of God just pour forth upon them. doesn't mean that they never have troubles in their life, but they're given the capacity and the, and the resources with which to deal with the misery in their life. And finally like, finally, like leprosy, sin is ultimately incurable in and of itself. You and I can't cure ourselves. You know, um, sin brings alienation with God. It brings alienation with others. Um, and, and we just can't work out of our sin and become better people over the long haul. It doesn't work that way. Sin is ultimately incurable until Christ comes into our lives and we break down and we come on our knees and we submit our lives to him. And that's where real transformation takes place. A transformation in our position before God, but through the work of the Spirit, a change in our persons. Not just in our position, but in our persons. So, so the point is, is that when, when we read a passage like this, we can't just view this as some kind of historical footnote in the ministry of Jesus Christ. But when we look at the story and read about the leper, we have to, the, 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 the reason why this is in the Bible is so that we step back and we realize, oh my goodness, that's who I am. In and of myself, I am this leper. In and of myself, I am alienated. I am miserable. I am deformed. I am defiled. I am destitute. All of these things, which then is designed to say, okay, then how, how can I be released from this? And that's only through Christ and the healing touch of Christ. So, I'll end with this. If, if you have experienced the healing touch of Jesus Christ in your life, and you know what it means to be a forgiven child of God through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, well, then praise God for that. That's a beautiful thing. Because you've been released from the power and the guilt and the penalty of sin, and you've play, been placed into a right relationship with God. There's nothing more beautiful than that. But if you have never experienced the healing touch of Jesus Christ, then what prevents you, really, what prevents you from being like the leper here in this passage, of just recognizing that, falling down on your knees, and not saying, Jesus, if you can, but are you willing? And you'll find if you do that, Jesus is more willing than you could ever think. And he is more willing and compassionate than you could ever imagine. Jesus has come, like the leper, come to me and I will make you clean. And indeed, as I oftentimes say, whether we do that for the first time today or the hundredth time, 
Let us draw near to Christ. So we can say with the psalmist from Psalm 103, I think it's one of the most beautiful psalms in the whole Psalter. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. For he forgives all your sins, he heals all your diseases, he redeems your life and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Indeed, he satisfies you with grace so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And all of that, my friends, is rooted in this beautiful short story before us, right? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for our worship this morning, for the time that we could have this afternoon and eating together and also the second worship service. And Father, we pray, oh God, uh, truth is, Lord, we are all lepers by nature. It is true. And we all need your healing touch. So God, we pray, uh, if you have done that for us, Lord, may this day, the rest of the day, be just an expression of gratitude for all the blessings that we have in Christ. And Lord, we also pray this, that if we have never experienced the healing touch of Jesus Christ, Lord, that, we, that this would be the day of salvation, as the Bible says, that we would draw near to him humbly and um, with desire in our need to be healed by him and placed on a different path. God, grant that we pray to us in Jesus' name. Amen.